Welcome back to Mark My Words Football Podcast. With Rob. And Scott. And the trade deadline has passed, and we are officially halfway through this NFL season, and now it's time for the teams to show us what they're really made of. And this week, we're going to tell you what we think they're made of with our quarterly tiers, so I can't wait to get into that one. But we'll start it off, as we always do, with a recap of the Buffalo Bills. And this week, the Bills played a Thursday night game and beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 24-18. to Rob, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so definitely the game we kind of wanted to see here for the Bills, at least to a degree, getting a nice win. Josh Allen looking like the Josh Allen that we have all been waiting to see with 324 yards, two touchdowns, also ran one. Um, in for a touchdown, had 41 yards on the ground. So definitely a Josh Allen game, just going all out, really just imposing his will on the defense for the majority of this game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really liked a lot of the things I saw from this offense. I felt like Dorsey was really giving that offense like so many layups, and they were using Gabriel Davis in a way that he's never been used before, and it yes. was extremely effective. Yeah, I would agree with that. And really, like a major takeaway I had from this game was, oddly enough, the punting unit, as they just, it seemed like in that the second half, every single drive that the Bucks had was really deep in their own territory with Sam Martin and that punting unit just driving them really deep back to the point where they were unable to move the ball at all. And the Bills just dominated the field game position here, which is something that you really like to see. Yeah, absolutely. That is a big part, especially as you get in those cold weather games and the playoff games. That's something you do need. But I think for the majority of that game, or especially earlier in the game, I saw a lot of things from that offense that I'd have been really wanting to see and made me feel a lot better about them with some of the players they were able to use. Like I already mentioned, the usage of Davis and seeing Secure and Kincaid use like their usage just really gives me a lot of hope for that offense going forward. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. It just really did feel like a get-right game, finally. Yeah, I know we've been kind of waiting for that. We thought the Giants game was going to be that. We thought the Patriots game was going to be that. And this finally felt like the game that we all wanted to see following the Jaguars' loss. Yeah, absolutely. And next week they've got a tough test in a team that seems to have their number in Cincinnati. And I think a chance for them to cement themselves back as being contenders again if they can string together some more good wins. For sure, for sure. And, and definitely the addition of Douglas on the secondary is going to help them with that Cincinnati receiving core. And I think that, you know, the Bills, that's probably their, where their weakest is in the secondary and in that kind of middle defensive range, uh, you know, with the lack of Milano there and the linebackers. That's kind of where Cincinnati will try to look to expose them. So I'd like that they're addressing that issue. But against uh, the, the Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield, they completely shut him down for the entirety of the game except for that last drive which was nice to see. And then that last drive, by the way, if I may comment on that, was just it didn't really make sense for the Buccaneers. They they took eight minutes to go down the whole field and, and score. I mean, yeah, you score the touchdown, but really? I mean, you you're eight minutes? I mean, it took penalties on multiple fourth downs, conversions that wouldn't have converted otherwise to keep that drive alive. Yeah. And it just felt like they were absolutely wasting that clock. It felt like such a sad drive for yeah. them. I, yeah, I mean, it felt more like a drive like – we lost the game. We just want to get something to head into next week. But, like, they didn't – they could have – you know, they were in a position to win the game. They ended up getting the ball back. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the one criticism I would have for the Bills this game was just uh, try to take care of the take care of the Buccaneers, put them away. You know, don't let them – let that, you know, go all the way down the field and 
don't let them get the ball back for even for a few seconds at the end there uh, for the Hail Mary attempt, which was one of the weirdest Hail Mary attempts I've ever seen. Uh, and if Godwin would have turned around, it could have came really close to the Buccaneers winning that game, and we would have had a whole different story this week. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a, a, a Hail Murray type of thing. But, uh, yeah, like I said, like great game by the Bills. Just focus on, you know, taking, wing, uh, taking away. Just focus on the closing games out more, and I think you'll be fine. And from there, going on to a more dismal situation here with my team, the Green Bay Packers, losing 24-10 to at home to the Vikings. So they are on a big losing streak now. And uh, what takeaways do you have from this game? Uh, I think it's finally time for me to hop off the, the Packers hype train. Even going into this week, I felt like there still could have been a, just a little bit of hope that they might be able to turn some things around and compete for the wild card. Because I still feel like there's like a 6-7 seed that's open there in the NFC, but it seems like they just are so far away from that right now. I mean, that, that first half woes they have still continued. 73-9 now, outscored in the first half last five games. Like that is just absolutely insane stat, and like we we already ran this whole spiel last week about why. So I feel like I don't need to get into that again. That we already yeah. know why. That's terrible, especially yeah. for the young team. But Love just looks erratic out there. Like he looks shaken and unconfident. A completely different quarterback than we saw the first couple of weeks. Yeah, that I mean that's kind of to be expected. Like. The, this is the youngest team in the league, like you said. There really are no veteran presences to like calm them down. I thought like getting rid of Mercedes Lewis at the beginning of the year was a big mistake, and and just the fact that he was a veteran guy, like he was a, a voice of reason in this really young team. Like who do you have that that you can go to for that presence? Really, only Aaron Jones at this point. And as speaking of Aaron Jones, he hasn't been used properly at all since he's come back from the hamstring injury. And it's one of those things if he's hurt then don't play him. But if you're going to play him, then use him properly, and he just hasn't been used properly. Um, and I think most people watching these games would agree that the, the while Jordan Love hasn't played great, he's not the problem. Like, this Packers, these same issues popped up last year. Like, Aaron Rodgers took this team to 8-9, and nine, and they did not look that great for the most of the year. So what are you going to expect with the exact same team with now Jordan Love? Like, you have to, you have to coach better. That, for me, this is on coaching. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I think throwing 41 times is not really the recipe for success, but they keep putting themselves behind early in these games, and they have no choice but to do that. Yeah. And that, that's just really sucky coaching and game planning to put you at that point over and over again. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Like, what do you want against? Like, what do you want your young quarterback to do, your first-year starter quarterback? I know he's been in the league for three years, but, like, Starting your first season is a big change from for any quarterback, and to me, yeah, Love has definitely had some moments. Like he's definitely shown potential. I think when he has a clean pocket and when you know he's comfortable, he's shown some real good poise. But also, it's really inconsistent. Like one play, he'll throw a great throw, and the next it'll be five yards above the guy. So I just think you need to do a better job of just surrounding him with you know reasonable play calls. And not just going out there trying to play it like Sam Howell and the Commanders every week. Like that's not a recipe for success. Right. But we'll get to Sam Howell a little bit later in the show. <laughs> but for now, we will go on to the clown of the week for NFL Week Eight. Every- 
everybody loves a good clown, and now it's time to meet the NFL's Clown of the Week for this week. And this week, the NFL's Clown of the Week is Los Angeles Rams coach Sean McVay. So in this Rams game this week, near the end of the first half, Matthew Stafford hit his hand on the helmet of an opposing defender and looking like he was questionable to return from the game. And going into that second half, Stafford did return a little bit surprisingly, and the Rams are able to drive the ball down the field and score a touchdown. On the two-point conversion, the play that was called was a pass to Matthew Stafford, to which he injured his hand even further, and it was ruled out for the rest of the game, and now looks like he will miss multiple weeks. When it looked like your quarterback has a hand injury like that, I feel like there could just be any other play you could dial up in a two-point conversion. Like, two-point conversion was a smart thing to do at the time, but I feel like you could have got such a better play call for that. Like, it was just such a dumb move by that coach to put your quarterback in a situation where he could potentially re-injure his hand again. John McVay, you're the clown of the week! Yes, absolutely. And, like, yeah, kudos to them for getting the play, but, like, who cares? Like, you're getting crushed, your quarterback's hurt. I mean, there's bigger fish to fry here. So I would absolutely agree that that's completely clown-worthy. And now it is time for a segment that is one of my absolute favorite segments and one that I put a lot of time and effort into, and I know Rob does as well. It is the quarterly tiers. So like I mentioned, we are at the halfway point of the season. So now it is time for our week eight tiers. So like we did before, we will start at the bottom, and I'll quickly recap what our tiers are. We have the heavyweight division. That are the heavyweight contenders of the NFL, the best of the best. Then we have the midweight tier, teams that are not quite as good as the heavyweights, very good, but are missing just a little bit. Then we have the fringe contenders, who could be in the mix, but are definitely missing something. Then the mediocres, teams that are just mediocre, you know they won't contend for much, they're just kind of there. But they are above our last category, the bottom feeders, the worst of the worst in the NFL. And that is where we're going to begin with the bottom feeders tier. So, Rob, why don't you tell me your list? All right, so bottom feeders, I had five teams, and they are the Chicago Bears. By the way, no particular order. Chicago Bears, Carolina Panthers, New England Patriots, Arizona Cardinals, and my Green Bay Packers. I also had five teams in my bottom feeders tier. And that is the New York Giants, the Arizona Cardinals, the Carolina Panthers, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Chicago Bears. So what sticks out for me in this one, I I thought it was a little bit interesting to have Green Bay there as well as New England for you. So Green Bay, what's your reasoning there? So Green Bay is, as we know, the youngest team in the league. They just traded Rasul Douglas, so that tells you that they are selling. They're really not taking this year seriously to be a good team. So they're not even trying to really get to the playoffs. I think this was uh, an evaluation year to begin with. And now, you know, but some people kind of thought they could be contenders maybe in the NFC. But I think that's quite obvious that's not the case. Just the coaching decisions have been awful. I think they're one of the worst coach teams in the league. I think after this year, if they do bad enough, you could see a firing there. So just really haven't seen anything I've liked from them. I really have not seen it uh, this year. Defense is weak. um, And so I think they are definitely a bottom feeder. Okay, very interesting. Myself, I thought they were a little bit above those bottom feeder teams for me, like the Giants and the Cardinals. 
but I, I don't know that I particularly would put it against you for putting it in there. And same for me with New England. New England was right on that line for me, whether I wanted to put them as mediocres or bottom feeders. And I think the win over Buffalo for me really put them into the mediocre category for me. Yeah, yeah. I figured that when I read that, it, you know, it was it was a good win, and it definitely gave them some spark and some life. But uh, yeah, I, I just I think that was more of an anomaly than than what their new standard is going to be. And then there's just a couple other teams that are against very poorly played for us, like Bears, Panthers. Just been bad the whole year, and then Cardinals. Yeah, we're a little bit frisky, but I think we can agree that they're pretty bad, especially trading away Dobbs. Yes. Yeah, so that takes care of the bottom feeders here. And then uh, Mediocres, um, why don't you read off who you had in that category? So for me in the Mediocres, I had eight teams. I had the Atlanta Falcons, the Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Washington Commanders, the Indianapolis Colts, the Denver Broncos, New England Patriots, and the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, and I had six teams in the Mediocre category, and they were the Houston Texans, Indianapolis Colts, Washington Commanders, Denver Broncos, Las Vegas Raiders, and New York Giants. So I would like to talk here about the Falcons here for you, as I noticed they were in your mediocre category. And I'm, I'm a bit surprised because I have them higher than you, and they're kind of your team from the beginning of the year. So what, what happened? Why are they mediocre for you? When I'm just watching these Falcons games, like, the only thing that, can keep, that comes to my mind is that they're just so mid- like they really are they're just like the most like middling mediocre team ever like, <laughs> like they've got the pieces they really do that made me want to believe in them but just watching them and the way that Arthur Smith wants to coach his games they're like these guys are mediocre and it feels like that's the best they're gonna get like they're they're not even for me they're not even on the fringe anymore even though I still think it's possible that they could win that division they're not competitive to me so but here here would be my argument to that and I can't believe I'm on the side of, of the Falcons here, but they're four and four at the moment. And, and would you agree that Ritter has not played well? Like he's he's made at least like one mistake per game. That's just like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Like, Absolutely, you I would agree with that. All right, so if they start Heineke, which you know they benched Ritter uh, last game, and it, it looks like they're going to be starting Heineke possibly um, for the going forward, do you think they could elevate their play? Because if they went four and four with Ritter, I think Heineke is a clear you know above Ritter, a clear um, advantage there. I, I, I do think there could be a case made for that. I, I guess I want to I would want to see it first, like to really know. But you make a good point there with that, honestly. And they do have a solid defense and some good playmakers. You know, B. John Robinson, Kyle Pitts. I mean, it's, it's more than I think Heineke had it in Washington, and he he played pretty well there in leading them to the playoffs. So right. I think they, they're still fringe for me. I, I, again, we could see, but I think I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt a little bit. Uh, and for you, uh, the Giants, what for you puts them in the mediocre category over teams like Green Bay and New England and even Arizona? Well, see, Green Bay shouldn't have won any of these games because they played terrible. And New England really shouldn't have won any of their games because they played terrible. The Giants, however, should have won the last two games. Like, they should have beat the... Or they should have won two out of the last three. They should have beat the Bills. Like, they were just a couple of atrocious, like, decisions away from beating the Bills. And they were a couple of atrocious field goal misses away from beating the Jets. So, if, if the, they win those two games, they're sitting at 4-4. Four and four. I just don't think you could have a team that would beat the Jets and the Bills 
that at four and four in the bottom feeder category. I think they're still pretty well coached with Dayball, and they have a solid defense. I mean, they've their last three games they have allowed 14 points, 14 points, and 13 points. So I just think their strong defense and their kind of will to win is is what makes them mediocre over a bottom feeder. Well, for me, they've also only gone over 10 points twice in the last five games. That is true. Although backup quarterbacks doesn't help it, I would say. Yeah, that's true. Not that they looked any better with Daniel Jones, but but yeah, I don't know. They could. I'm not saying they're a great team, but they're. I, I would say a little bit above those bottom feeders. Okay, interesting. And from there, going on to the fringe contenders, uh, in which uh, I had the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tennessee Titans, New Orleans Saints, Los Angeles Chargers, Atlanta Falcons, Minnesota Vikings. New York Jets, and L.A. Rams. And for me, I had seven teams in the fringe contender category. The Los Angeles Chargers, New York Jets, Los Angeles Rams, New Orleans Saints, Houston Texans, Tennessee Titans, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, yeah, I'm surprised you had the Tennessee Titans here in the fringe categories, considering how low you have been on them historically. Yeah, absolutely. And the only thing that put them there for me was last week's game of seeing... uh, Levis in there, being able to do what he did, throwing four touchdowns, and I saw a stat that said on three of his touchdowns ended up in the top eight in terms of air yards in the NFL this season. That's crazy. Like that's crazy to me. Like he was extremely inconsistent in that game. Yeah. No but he had those splash plays, and that's something that Tennessee has severely lacked yes. in the last several years. Yes, like Tannehill is, I think he's a bit underrated, but he is extremely just safe with the ball. Like, he really does not take those risks. He really doesn't give you those opportunities for big plays. And I love that Levis came out there and did that. That's the perfect attitude to have if you're a backup quarterback. Come in there, like, no, go all out. And he really, DeAndre Hopkins had by far his best game of the year with three touchdowns. So the upside of having Levis start game to game is for me definitely putting them in the fringe contender category. Yeah, three and four, you're not dead yet. And if you're having a quarterback that's going to go out there, even if he makes the mistakes and is inconsistent, I think that gives them a better chance to win than what they were doing before. So that's for me why they're a fringe contender right now. I think they'd be wise to keep starting Levis. Absolutely. And from there, we're going on to the midweight category. I want to talk about the Steelers. (laughs) No, no, no. We don't need to talk about Steelers. I guess we can for a little. What do you got for the Steelers? So I'm just curious as to what you think puts them in the fringe category. So uh, two words, actually four words, Mike Tomlin, TJ Watt. Okay, every game, those two guys will give the Steelers a shot. You cannot rule out the Steelers from beating any team in this league because of those two guys. In my opinion, they have the best coach in the entire NFL, and they have the best defensive player in the entire NFL. These two guys can win you a game. Like, TJ Watt has won the Steelers two whole games this year. I mean, like, he is that good of a player. So to be able to have that every single game at your disposal, for me, it, like, it warrants them to be fringe contenders. And if they can figure out this offense and even have a decent one, they could easily be a midweight, in my opinion. Okay, well, I think that's a crazy take. And I have six words for you. Matt Canada, Mitch Trubisky, offense sucks. <laughs> well, <laughs> look, Kenny Pickett's the starter. Mr. Risky just comes in. Well, Kenny Pickett was injured last week, and it's not clear how long he'll miss. Right, right. But, you know, Mr. Risky is a terrible quarterback as far as backups go. So, I, I mean, eh, maybe it'll provide a new spark. You never know. 
the Steelers do, do not deserve to be four and two in the least. <laughs> and having TJ Watt, cool. If TJ Watt he can win you games, that's not sustainable. I just well, feel like I they're lower is. for me. I think that for me they belong in the mediocres. I they're not to even fringe for me. I beg to differ. I mean, Mike Tomlin, we know he's going to win nine games. Like that's just guaranteed. And if you could steal a couple here and there, you could be ten, could be eleven even. They have no. a decent shot at this division. No, they don't. They are the yes. worst team in that division by a lot. They are not the worst team. In this Who division. is then? Who is the worst team in that division? There is no worst. I yes, there is. Worst. There's always There's the best no and the worst. worst. Always. There is no yes, worst. There is. There's three teams that are tied for <laughs> four and three here, and and the Ravens are ahead for now. That's because you know that they're the worst and you won't admit it. No, they, <laughs> they are. They're gonna streak together some wins. They're gonna beat Tennessee. They're gonna beat Green Bay. And then going into Cleveland, I'd like them to win that game too if Watson's not playing. So they can win three in a row here. And then they'll be sitting pretty. And you will eat your words on this one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good gracious. This is why I didn't want to give it to the Steelers. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, from there we go with the midweight category. And what do you got for this tier? So in the midweights, I have seven teams. I have the Buffalo Bills, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Seattle Seahawks, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Cleveland Browns, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Miami Dolphins. And I, too, have seven teams. The Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens, Detroit Lions, Dallas Cowboys, Seattle Seahawks, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Miami Dolphins. So, for you, I find that I think Detroit may have positioned themselves a little higher. Uh, what makes you think they are still in the midways and don't deserve to be in the heavyweights? Well... Putting aside that week one win, I know like that that was a big win. Like they don't have a really just statement win to me. Like I, I understand like we can't we don't want to take too much away from that week one win in Kansas City, but the way Kansas City has started the year like really slowly, especially with the offense, I don't know how much I love that win now. And you know they lost to Seattle. They they faced a lot of bad teams with like the Falcons, the Packers, Panthers. And, yes, they beat the Buccaneers by a hefty amount, but they got absolutely destroyed by the Ravens. So, for me, it's just a lack of evidence. Like, I've, I love the Lions as a, as a team. I love the Peoples-Jones trade. But, for me, for them to be a heavyweight, you really need to make some statement wins, beating some really good teams, and they haven't done so yet. Yeah, so that's kind of just my, my final verdict on Detroit. It's just lack of evidence, I would say. At, for me, it was difficult picking like between the midweights and the heavyweights especially with these AFC teams because I felt like I almost would have wanted to put the Dolphins up in the heavyweights but I can't put them above the Bills because I feel like they're in the same tier as the Bills or the Bengals keeping them all I feel like none of those teams were really above each other so I wanted to keep them all together in the in the midweights because I feel like none of them had really separated themselves from me as heavyweights yeah, I would agree. I would also say, I forgot to add here, Buffalo is, is in the midweights for me as well. Um, but I see the logic there. It's, it's sound logic. But um, Bengals, I just think they have like a lot of upside, and they have, they're a very dangerous team. Um, you know, I think I like where you have them midweights. I thought you would kind of keep them in the fringe, um, but I'm proud of you, you know, putting them in the midweights. <laughs> I know you're quite low on the Bengals to start the year. What made you kind of lift them that much? I think two up from where you had them last time. I do think it was a signature win versus the 49ers because I still have a lot of belief in them as well. It was a good win by them, and I feel like that. But I feel like that was the first time this year that we actually saw the Bengals play good. It was an extremely rough game to watch versus the Rams, and they should not have won versus Seattle. And you beat Arizona like whoop-de-doo. So 
I felt like you hadn't really seen anything good for the Bengals, and people are already ready to crown them king, like, going into this week. So that's why I'm, like, trying to pump the brakes on the Bengals train here, and I'm sure they're probably going to make me eat my words here if they demolish Buffalo in Sunday Night Football this week. But for me, I could not justify putting them up in the heavyweights yet. All right, yeah, and I would completely disagree with that as we move on to the heavyweights as I did have them in it. So I had four teams. I had the Bengals, the 49ers, the Chiefs, and the Eagles in the heavyweight category. And for me, I had five teams in the heavyweight. I had the Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Detroit Lions. So, yeah, so Detroit Lions in the heavyweight category – and kind of what you talked about with the like the Dolphins not having like their signature win, and like do you, do you think the Lions that Chiefs game is still very valid, and that really kind of shows how good they can be? I do. In the the Baltimore loss was definitely something to take consideration, but if I feel like I'm keeping the 49ers up there on a three-game losing streak, I feel like I'm justified in putting Detroit up there personally because that's how much belief I have in Detroit right now because I think there's few teams that rival the type of offense they have and their defense has shown that they can really shut down teams when they need to. So I think that's why I have Detroit as a heavyweight team now. See, just to also push back on that a little bit more, um, the reason why I have like these, uh, the Bengals and the Chiefs, you know, and the 49ers in there, although they're all kind of, you know, they've had their down moments this year, certainly, is because I think the ceiling is so much higher. Like the Detroit Lions, like, can they really go all the way? Like, yeah, they're playing really solid football, they're a really solid team, but dude, they, like, is their ceiling high enough to win the Super Bowl this year? And I just don't think it is. Like, the, the, the Bengals have Joe Burrow. Like, he's like a guy in this league, he can go out there and do it. And you know, the Chiefs, obviously, Patrick Mahomes. The 49ers have the most stacked offensive roster I've ever seen. For the Lions, I just don't see them being able to to have that Super Bowl ceiling this year. For me, I do. I think that that offense has enough. Like Ben Johnson is an amazing offensive coordinator, and I think if you can really have like uh, James Williams come on, I think like Peoples Jones was a good pickup. I think they really do have enough on that offense to be Super Bowl caliber. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see, but I, I don't know if I can trust Jared Goff to, to take him all the way here, even though he has played well. But I mean, when you talk about this NFC here, I guess we both agree the 49ers have not done enough to make us question them and move them down. Yeah, certainly, even though losing three in a row. Um, it just, to me, like it, it's not like it's not concerning. I feel like the loss to Cleveland kind of like shocked them. Like they, it kind of just like threw them off their game. Like they were like, whoa, like, we can lose? Like, we're capable of losing a game? Like, Brock Purdy hadn't lost a game that he played all the way through until that Cleveland game. It just kind of felt like it took the breath out of them. Like, we're, like, we're capable of losing a game. So I think this bye week will do them well. They'll come out and they'll look like the same old 49ers that we've been used to seeing. But it was kind of like a, uh, an introspective moment after that, those three losses there, which I think will serve to ultimately help them. Hopefully, and hopefully uh, Chase Young will serve to help them as well. A really nice addition at the deadline. Yeah, as if their defense could have gotten any better. Well, And what's funny was I think the defense was also what was part of holding them back recently. Yeah, certainly that Bengals game, they, they looked pretty weak, just very sluggish. Right. Um, but also I'd like to touch on the Ravens here for a little while and uh, the fact that, uh, like like I said, like Lamar Jackson is one of those guys that can take you to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. And uh, I just held back a little bit on them in the heavyweight category because I feel like they're peaking right now and this is as good as we're going to see them. And I'm not sure that they can sustain that for a long time. But uh, what's kind of your reasoning for the heavyweight category? 
I disagree with you. And as I said in my Diamonds in the Rough pick for them a couple of weeks ago, that I think that they are yet to peak because of reinstalling that new offensive system. I think they are really going to hit their stride in a few weeks from now and become like really top dogs. I could, for me, I can easily see them being almost a top dog in the AFC going into the playoffs with what I think they're capable of doing. I mean, there you have like the one of the top ranked defenses right now. And like you said, like Lamar Jackson is a world beater. Like he can do anything on his own. And I think they've just got such a stable of weapons right now. I mean, Zay Flowers is starting to emerge as a, really a guy. And they've got a really nice just group of weapons otherwise with Aglor, Andrews, Beckham, Bateman. That for me, I think they could be heavyweights. Like It was difficult to try and pick them above teams like Miami and Buffalo and Cincinnati. Because they can be close. But for me... I see the most potential and the most right now out of Baltimore to be able to put them in the heavyweights. Yeah, I don't hate that for sure. I mean, I definitely, I think my preseason predictions of them is holding me back from really committing to them as a heavyweight contender. But, you know, definitely some tough games coming up here, which should really prove them. You know, they got Seattle, they got Cleveland and, and Cincinnati. So if they come out on top in all three of those games, I'm I'm absolutely with you that by next quarterly tiers, they would certainly be my heavyweights if they win those three. And from there, we go on to our NFL picks for Week 9. And before we do that, we will recap the Week 8 picks. So me and Scott both went 10-6 and six last week, bringing Scott's total to 79-43 and 43, and me to 73-49. and 49. So I... Still have a six-game deficit here entering Week 9. And we begin with the Thursday night game, the Tennessee Titans taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this will be an awesome game, two of my favorite teams going head-to-head. The Will Levis thing and the Mitch Trubisky thing definitely makes it a very interesting game. But I will have to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. I'll be picking the Titans in this one. Wow. I mean, this is like, you can't. Uh, have a good taste in your mouth about any of, the, of both these teams. And, you know, these are two of your most hated teams. Yeah, I just think uh, no, neither of these teams have been very good, and you've been <laughs> high on them for no apparent reason. <laughs> good coaching, man. Good coaching. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you want to call it. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, but I think Steelers at home, hard to pick against them. Although I've gotten burned, I feel like, a couple times the last couple years with that. But I'll keep keep going with the Steelers uh, until they prove me wrong. Conclusively, which they have definitely not. And now, the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs in Germany. So interesting matchup here. Chiefs having a real stinker against the Broncos. Do you think they get back on track overseas? I do, and I have them winning in this game. I do as well, but this is going to be a really interesting game. should be a really fun matchup. I think a lot of eyes will be glued for this matchup, but I believe the trend will continue of Miami being unable to get a signature win. As you've brought up the point several times this year, even when the Chiefs' offense has sputtered a little bit, that we both believe that it's Mahomes and it'll get right, and the fact that their defense has been better than it ever has. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like the Chiefs this year. I know, that I understand they've been really sluggish, and, you know, with Kelsey's comments on the podcast, like, kind of really frustrated with it. I really don't think it's, a, it's too big of a cause for concern, and I think they're really going to do, ultimately, what it's going to come down to is they're going to do a better job of shutting down the Miami offense than Miami's terrible defense is going to do of shutting down Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And then you have the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Atlanta Falcons. So very interesting matchup here as well with Josh Dobbs starting for Minnesota. Who do you think gets the win? 
I do have Atlanta winning in this one. I do as well. Yeah, interesting game with now both different starting quarterbacks than they had last week. Yeah, I really like Taylor Heineke. I'm excited to see what he can do on this Falcons squad. And uh, Minnesota, I really liked them coming into this game, but uh, no Kirk Cousins just really hurts their odds. Yeah, just really crushing for them. Kirk Cousins was having a career year, and the Vikings were starting to come around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, just a super crushing blow for them. Right. And then you have the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. And I would say uh, pretty easily I have the Browns winning this one. I do as well. I think Arizona's proven themselves to be bottom feeders and are likely still going to ha- have the first overall pick this year. So, And Cleveland has been a good team this year, so I have Cleveland winning in this one. Yes. And then you have the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Green Bay Packers. So I resigned my Packers to the bottom feeder category, yet I will take them to win this game. I think this is really the last stand. If you lose this game, your season's completely over. I like the the fact that Matt Stafford won't be playing. I mean, you need this win so badly. You're, you're completely backs against the wall. Something needs to give, so I will have Green Bay. And I'll pick them one last time as well, uh, only because of, again, without Stafford. If they had Stafford, I would have picked the Rams. But Packers, let's give you one more shot here. Yes, you need it before these tough games start coming up. And please, please just commit to the run game. Use Aaron Jones and Dylan there, your best weapons. And don't do anything dumb. Don't turn the ball over. And you should be able to get a win against the Rams and their backup quarterback. Then you have the Washington Commanders taking on the New England Patriots. And this is quite an interesting matchup as the Commanders appear to be selling the farm, at least on the defensive side, getting rid of Young and Sweat. Who wins this game? I still have the Commanders winning in this one. And I have the Patriots taking the win here. Yeah, interesting matchup of probably some mediocre to bottom feeding teams at this point. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I mean, I love the Commanders and what they bring on offense with Sam Howell way more than the Patriots and Mac Jones. But at the same time, the Commanders have been really inconsistent. And seeing them play so well last week on offense, I think warrants uh, a down week here against a good Belichick defense. I, I wouldn't say I like much better. I like it better with the receivers, but not much better. Oh, much better, my friend. Much better. Commanders have a good offense. It's fun to watch. They don't throw to their good receivers, though. But they throw. I mean, your quarterback has 400 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, come on. How are you going to argue with that? You know I feel like I mean? they're, they're putting that out in garbage time half these games and still losing. Like They're losing to teams like Chicago and the Giants. Sixth in pass yards in the league, Washington Commanders. Well, you can see Cousins was throw up there in passing yards. Wasn't he leading in passing yards? Does that make them the best team? <laughs> Well, hey, I mean, it's something to be said if you're being able to move the ball. We've seen tons of teams in garbage time not be able to move the ball, the Patriots being one of those teams. So I think the fact that you're able to do that, and, and look, last game it was close against the Eagles back and forth. So I do really like the spark of this commander's offense. they got a lot of good playmakers on that team. Patriots have none. So, um, But that, I, that being said, I will have the Patriots here just because defense you know, in, in uh, Gillette Stadium – and just the inconsistency of the commanders, uh, what I believe to be a poorly coached team, a sign of a poorly coached team is that inconsistency from week to week. So I will have the Patriots here. And then moving on, we have the New Orleans Saints hosting the Chicago Bears. So Saints looking like they're finally coming alive a little bit with Derek Carr. Who do you think takes this game? I have the Saints winning in this one. 
and I do as well. I think the Saints really still have the best potential to win this division, and Derek Carr is looking better and better by the week. Yeah, I think they certainly have the potential to be the best team, like the, or to be contending the most coming out of that division. Because I think there's definitely teams that could win, but just not be serious at all. Yeah, I would agree with that. As much as I love Baker Mayfield, that team was just not talented enough to do it. And the Saints are, I think they're the most ready to win right now. And I, I just want to see one of those teams break out and like be anything other than just a bleh team. Because it just feels like the NFC South is just like, yeah, they're the Falcons, they're the Bucks, they're the Saints. Like, I want one team to like just step it up a little bit. I think the Saints are best positioned to do that. Right. And then you have the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Seahawks narrowly escaping with the win against the Browns. Ravens having a nice week against the Cardinals, although also narrowly escaping with the win. Who do you have taking this game? I have the Ravens winning on this one. And I have the Seahawks here. Very interesting. Yes. I found almost interesting now that Seattle is actually leading that division right now with San crazy. Francisco. Like That's crazy to me. Yeah, they're just an, a solid team all around. And uh, playing a good game against the Browns. They're playing some good football lately on both sides of the ball. And this will be the fourth week in a row that I pick against the Ravens. And uh, I think I'm due for a win here. <laughs> all right. <laughs> then you have the Tampa Bay Bucks taking on the Houston Texans. Who do you have in this matchup? I have the Buccaneers winning this one. And I do as well. This should be a fun matchup, I think. Yeah, I like. I really like this one for Baker Mayfield to get back on track against this Texans team who is susceptible to some, some bad losses. I mean, they gave the Panthers their first win last week. So I, I just like the poise of Baker and the Bucks over this youthful Texans team. But it should definitely be a fun game back and forth. Yes. And then you have the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Carolina Panthers, who are winless no more after their win against C.J. Stroud and the Texans. Do you think they can continue their wins? I don't. I love the Colts winning in this one. I do as well. Gardner Minshew's looks pretty sharp so far, I must say. Yes, Gardner Minshew. I mean, he can win you some games, but he also likes to turn the ball over a lot. <laughs> yes, something you just got to live with, I guess, because he does give you a lot of big play opportunities as well. And the Colts have been running the ball a lot better. Like from last year, they had like one of the worst offensive line performances. That's really kind of turned around this year with Moss and Taylor providing great production behind that line. So Colts, I definitely like them if they can, you know, find a way to close out some games. They could definitely be maybe sneak into that playoff picture if they string together a couple wins here. All right. Then you have the Giants taking on the Raiders, who just fired Josh McDaniels in a move that I believe is for the best. Who do you have winning this matchup? Are the Raiders winning on this one? I do as well. And it came out right after that they will be starting O'Connell this week over the ghost of Brian Hoyer. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's a very good move. I think the Raider fan base is a bit refreshed. You know, we got young quarterback starting. Let's just see how he is. You know, Josh McDaniels is gone, the anchor around this team. And so I think the vibes are not good, but they're definitely better than they were before the firings happened. I, I think you, we could see something very similar to what we did a couple of years ago with the Raiders when they had their interim coach there was able to take yeah. them to the playoffs. Versace. Yeah, Versace. I mean. Something about that. It's like a different energy. It's like, you know, you, you, when you have this toxic coach in the environment, it's just like week to week, it's probably just a drag. Then he's gone. You just kind of feel like it's a breath of fresh air. We got nothing to lose. Like, let's just go out there and play. Yeah, I guess you feel like this is being almost a blowout for them, just being like, just finally letting that all out for them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I definitely would not be surprised to see him put up some good points here. And then you have a really, really interesting matchup here. It should be a very good game. Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles. So who do you have taking this NFC East game? 
I have the Eagles winning in this one. And I will have to go with the Dallas Cowboys. Very interesting. Yeah, this should be one of the best matchups of the week. A really fun one for the divisional implications and playoff implication for these teams. Yeah, and it, like the Cowboys, really, they, they need this win more than the Eagles do. The Eagles 7-1, obviously. Cowboys just really need that statement win, in my opinion. And like Dak Prescott has played really well against the Eagles. We'll get to that a little bit later. But I think that he'll be able to really slice and dice this kind of susceptible Eagles secondary. I mean, they just went and got Kevin Byard, but it didn't help them against Sam Howell. So I think Dak Prescott will be able to move the ball pretty well in this Eagles team. And at the end, it'll probably come down to who has the ball last. So looking forward to a fun game there. Absolutely. And then another fun game, which should have equal um, scenarios here with um, the ball being last. The Bills and the Bengals. So two teams with some question marks, but we all know how good they can be. Who do you think will win? Unfortunately, I'm going to have to pick the Bengals in this one. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. Uh, I also had the Bengals. Yeah, I feel like I can't trust the Bills right now. And the Bengals coming off with a little bit of momentum, I think that they're going to be able to beat the Bills. And like I mentioned earlier, I think they've just got the Bills number right now. Yeah. And it just comes down to, to where they are in the season right now. The Bills kind of stumbling, although they came up with a nice win against the Bucks. I just think the Bengals, uh, their perspective is really good. You know, they're able to keep the ship afloat with an injured Burrow coming off a bye. He looks a lot better. So I think at this particular moment in time, the Bengals have the momentum edge over Buffalo. And then on Monday night, you got the LA Chargers taking on the New York Jets. Jets four and three, trying to keep the ship afloat until maybe Rodgers comes back, which looks like a, uh, more and more of a possibility every week. Do you think they can beat the Chargers? I have the Chargers winning in this one, and I do as well. This seems just like a game that's absolutely calling for a clown of the week to come out of. Yes, I could easily see the Chargers losing this game, but I, I just, I can't not pick them here for some reason. It's just calling my name. Yeah, I, I felt the same about this. I, I just feel like something crazy is going to happen in this one. I mean, just those two teams and just the craziness of each of their seasons and franchises in general. Yes, absolutely. So it should definitely be a wild one. But yeah, Chargers win that game. And now it is time for our underdog locks of the week. So last week, Scott went with the Rams, who got destroyed by the Dallas Cowboys, bringing his record to 2-5 and five on the underdog locks. And I went with the Cardinals, who so narrowly lost. Not to that the, narrow? Very narrowly lost. Could have easily won that game. Should have won that game. In fact, in my mind, they did win it. But in <laughs> fact, they lost, and I am now 0-7 in the underdog locks. So, both hoping to turn it around. Who do you have this week? So, this week, my underdog lock of the week will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Houston Texans. All right. Yeah, I like that. I can't believe the Bucs are underdogs in this game. Yeah, I think it's going to be, a like I said in the preview, I think it's going to be a good matchup. I think that plus three for the Buccaneers is a really good number, but I, I do really like them to win this game outright. All right, yeah, and for me, I was uh, considering a lot of games here, a lot of matchups that I liked with the underdogs, but I will have to go with the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Baltimore Ravens here. So they're, I believe there's six-point underdogs in this game, which is crazy, and I think that really is uh, people are going to put a lot of money on the Ravens here, and they're going to get burned. So for me, this is going to be the fourth time I pick against the Ravens, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Hasn't gone so well uh, previously. But I think also the Ravens are kind of that team everyone's talking about, and I'm continuing the logic of they're due for a loss. Plus, Seattle has been playing really well. So 
I mean, hey, you got to have some kind of strategy, right? Yeah, <laughs> just throwing whatever we got at the wall here at this point. Uh, go Seahawks in this game. And after that, we'll be transitioning into Rob's Fantasy Starts and Sits of the Week. So why don't you tell the folks how we did last week? All right, last week was pretty hit and miss. We nailed two, and we kind of crapped the bed on two as well. So last week I told you to start Nico Collins, and that was a very bad suggestion. As he was the 72nd ranked wide receiver. Yes, that's right, 72nd. Four catches, 30 yards for Nico there, so not great. I also said to start Sam Howell, which was an absolute smoking pick as he was the number one quarterback Take that, Scott, Sam Howell, hater, and he just proved you wrong. You are humiliated. Forbidden to speak about Sam Howell badly for the rest of the year. And then in the sits, I said sit Brian Robinson. You were well served to do so as he finished as the 25th ranked running back. And I also said sit Tony Pollard, who finished as the 31st ranked running back. So pretty good week. Hoping to continue the success into this week. And my starts are quarterback Dak Prescott. Facing the Philadelphia Eagles defense. So the last three games that Dak has played the Eagles, he's averaged 293 yards. He's thrown 11 touchdowns in three games. And he has had a 140 passer rating average in those three games. So he has absolutely been able to dominate the Eagles defense. I think it's even weaker this year than it was last. So absolutely start Prescott in this game. I would also start wide receiver Josh Downs versus the Carolina Panthers. He is playing really well off Pittman, getting a lot of secondary throws from Gardner Minshew. Just really playing well. Had five catches for 125 yards and a touchdown two weeks ago, and then seven for 72. So he's getting that volume that you like to see. I would definitely start Josh Downs as a wide receiver this week. And for my sits, I will say sit Marquise Brown versus a tough Browns defense. Uh, you know, Josh Dobbs going to the Vikings. They had a pretty good connection. That's probably going to be gone. Browns have a very tough defense. Pretty obvious sit here for Marquise Brown. And I would also sit Tua Tungavailoa versus the Kansas City Chiefs. So Chiefs defense, very good. Tua is my starting quarterback, so I'll take this one personally here. Tua playing in Germany against a good team. Not liking that matchup so much. Sit Tua this week. And now, going into Scott's Parlay of the Week. So, Scott, you started off the year very strong, but you've been kind of hitting a a cold streak here. How did you do last week? Yeah, we started off this season blazing hot, but we seem to be on a bit of a cold streak now with last week getting hit on the Jaguars, but the Falcons and the 49ers both suffering loss in that one with now a two-week losing streak for me and hoping to get back on track again. Still 16-8, and though. Yes. And for this week nine parlay, this is actually probably my favorite one of the year so far. I do really like the numbers I'm getting on this one. So for this week, I have the Kansas City Chiefs, the Washington Commanders, and the Indianapolis Colts. Getting the Commanders at plus money versus the Patriots here gives us a really good number. I think anytime you can get a number this good, especially with the Chiefs in it, and them at minus 124, I think is really good as well. And the Colts with also a small number at minus 152 just gives you a really nice number. So for this week, pick the Kansas City Chiefs, Washington Commanders, and Indianapolis Colts on the money line. Yeah, I like those picks there. Definitely, I know the Commanders probably will come back to bite me on this one, but Got to go with your gut, I say. And that wraps it up for this edition of Mark My Words Football Podcast. We appreciate the viewership. Feel free to like, follow, and subscribe. We are on all platforms. And this has been Mark My Words 
Football Podcast with Rob and Scott. We are tuning out.